going to start the year off with a test for you, not for me. How good are you at paying attention? Do you think you pay attention really well? Do you notice the details? Well, I'm going to show you a short video clip, and I want you to count how many times the people dressed in white pass the basketball. It's only about 30 seconds, so you with me? You think you can do it? There's a little bit of an introduction which basically gives you the same instructions. This is a test. Let's see how we go. Let's have some numbers. 10, 12, 18, 15. How many of you, how many of you noticed the gorilla? Let's see that again. Let's watch. I'd like to say I did better than most of you, but I've seen that before, but I saw one, a clever one. I was looking for the best one, and in that one they changed two or, other, two or three other things, and I completely missed it. And that. So isn't that interesting? Isn't that really interesting? This is a well-known experiment dubbed the Invisible Gorilla, and it was developed by two scientists, Christopher Shabras and Daniel Simmons, and that's on Daniel Simmons' website. That's originally what they did. And he writes this. In our best-known demonstration, we showed people a video and asked them to count how many times three basketball players wearing white shirts passed the ball. After 30 seconds, a woman in a gorilla sauntered into the scene, faced the camera, and thumbed her chest at the camera, and then she walked away. Half the viewers missed it. So you're in good company. Half the viewers missed it. In fact, some people looked right at the gorilla and did not see it at all. Well-known famous experiment. You see, most of us think we're pretty good at paying attention and that we're good at details and highly perceptive. But the truth is, really, we're not that great. Especially when it comes to the totally unexpected when we're focused on tasks or objects or events around us. So when we're focused on everyday things like passing basketballs, we often miss the new and the startling, like a gorilla thumbing her chest at the camera. Now today, we're going to see God proclaim to his people he's going to do something new, startling, and unexpected. However, because our focus is often elsewhere, we are often in danger of missing it. Isn't that the thing, the way of God? You know, we're so focused on everyday life that when he wants to do a new thing, we often miss it. And that's going to be the focus of this morning's message. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fun of that wee video clip. And we do acknowledge that we're not the best at noticing things, especially new things that you do. Open our hearts and minds, Lord, to the possibilities that you are putting before us in your word and in our life over the next 12 months and beyond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, being a new year with fresh starts and new beginnings, then for me it was natural to choose those verses in Isaiah 43 that we started the service with. Let's have a look at them again. Now, such a tremendous, tremendous two verses. This is God speaking to us. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
And this is so new, so startling, so unexpected that we need to be careful that we don't miss out on God's good things for us. And that's why God says in that passage, did you notice he said, do you not perceive it? He's saying, are you paying attention? Don't let the new things pass you by. So to make sure that we're not missing out on these new things of God, we're going to do three things. First of all, God speaks about the former things. So what are the former things that God's going to get rid of? What are the new things that are coming? And how can we be sure we don't miss out? So those are the three things we're going to cover. So first of all, the former things. This is where we come to the beginning of the Isaiah passage we're looking at. By way of a background, I mean, who was Isaiah? Well, many of us know that he's a very famous and well-known prophet in the Old Testament. He started his reign during a good king's time, King Hezekiah, but each king after that got progressively worse. And so Isaiah the prophet was forever telling the kings and God's people to repent. He was faithful, but he got into deeper and deeper trouble until Jewish traditions, it's not in the Bible, but Jewish tradition tells us that the, the evil king Manasseh killed Isaiah by sawing him in half. And you can read a little bit about that in Hebrews chapter 12, where that's referred to. I mean, that's Jewish tradition, but we do know that he was faithful at sharing the good prophecies as well as the difficult ones. Fortunately for us today, we're looking at one of his positive prophecies. So that's by way of a background. So what are the former things that God's going to put aside? Well, let's have a look. 43 from verses 16 to 17. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So these are the former things. And what's God talking about here? Well, he's talking about how he saved God's people, how he saved his people from slavery to Egypt. This is a reference to the Israelites escaping through the Red Sea. And we remember the story. Back in Moses' day, God's people were slaves, and their slavery was bitter and cruel. Remember that whenever an Israelite woman had a baby boy, what happened to the baby boy? It had to be thrown in the Nile River, didn't it? I mean, this was awful. They had no future and they had no hope. And God heard their cries. He had mercy on them. And so he sent Moses, and we know the story well, don't we? Some of us from Sunday school days, when the ten plagues came and Pharaoh uh, let the Israelites go. But then there was this calamity, this major trouble, because the Israelites ran up to the Red Sea, and there was no way around it, and the, and the Egyptians were coming behind them. And then God parted the sea, and the Israelites moved through. And when the Egyptians followed, God let the waters come down, and we see that the Egyptian army was decimated. And that's the reference here, the end of verse 17. And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. It's a reference to the Egyptian army. And so these are the former things that God is going to change. This is amazing. God's salvation is going to change. So God's people will not be looking back to the time that Moses rescued them through the Red Sea. They're going to be looking back to something else. That is the former thing that God is going to change. And this is quite a startling change. This is not a minor tweaking. 
of the way that God deals with his people. This is revolutionary, and it's a new thing that's coming. And this is when we now dig into verses 18 and 19. What are the new things? Let's read this. The new things. Forget the former things. So this is what God's saying. Forget the old way of salvation. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So notice how this... This new salvation, this new way of being free from slavery involves two main things. That's at the end of verse, 18, uh, verse 19 we see this. God will make a way in the wilderness, and along this way there will be streams in the desert, water in the wasteland. So what we're talking about here is this new salvation, whatever it looks like, will mean direction for those who are lost and aimless, and water and refreshment for those who are parched with thirst. So these are the two characteristics, two of three characteristics that this new salvation, this new way of God dealing with us will have. And so we read on in verse 25 for the third thing that this new salvation will be characterized by. And again, God continues to speak in verse 25. I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. So the third thing about this new salvation, the key characteristic, apart from a way in the wilderness and waters in the wasteland, will be forgiveness. A sense where God will blot out our sins and remember them no more. And if we think back to God's people in Egypt, if we think back, it's not just that they were slaves to the Egyptians, but they were also rebels against God. Their hearts were far from God. They transgressed, which means they crossed the line. That's what transgression means, crossing the line, breaking God's laws. And that sin so stained their hearts that there was this rebellion against God. And this is what makes Israelites... Uh, rescue from slavery is so amazing. It's not just that there was this amazingly strong nation of Egyptians that had them captive. It's that they were also rebelling against that one who saved them. So we can imagine a king using his full force to rescue loyal subjects. We can imagine that, can't we? But can you imagine a king using all his powers to rescue rebels? to rescue those that rebelled against him, that wanted to overthrow him. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about grace. And so grace was what the original salvation was all about when it comes to the rescue of the Israelites. And grace, that rescue of rebels, the blotting out of sin, will characterize the new way of salvation that comes. The new way of salvation that come. So those are the three characteristics of this new thing that God wants to do. There will be a way in the wilderness, uh, there will be waters, there will be rivers in the wastelands, and forgiveness means that for God's sake, our sins will be blotted out and he will remember them no more. However, in all this, in all this we're in danger of missing out. And we're in danger of missing out because we're so focused on the here and now that we miss out on the good things of God. 
And God's very blunt about this, very blunt about this warning. And we see this is in verse 22 and then verse 24. So the missing out. Let's focus on verse 22 first. This is God's warning to you and I. Yet you have not called on me. You have not wearied yourself for me. You have not bought offerings. You have not honoured me with your sacrifices. You see what's happening with God's people back in Isaiah's day? There were patterns of neglect. They had begun to neglect God. They had begun to neglect the worship of the living God. The people in Isaiah's day were so absorbed with their own dreams and ambitions, their own problems and concerned, that they didn't call on God. They didn't weary themselves for him. They didn't bring him offerings. They didn't honour him with their lives. We're talking about patterns and neglect. And this is why the people in Isaiah's day missed the new things of God. And this is why we need to be careful that we don't develop patterns of neglect. For we are so focused on the basketball passing that we miss it when God does a wonderful thing. We're so focused on relationships and careers and finances, maybe even our golf handicap or the way that we're going to be playing bridge this weekend. Whatever. God slips off our radar if we're not careful. And here God is warning us, don't neglect me. Don't neglect worshipping me, honouring me, bringing into my lives. Because if you do, you are in danger of missing out on the new and the wonderful thing that I want to do in your life. So we need to be careful about patterns of neglect. Um, but verse 24 is even more blunt with us. Verse 24. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offences. So this is the second way that we can miss out on God's great new things. One is by neglect, but one is by actively rebelling, actively pushing him to the side and over the edge. Having areas of our life, we might say, well, Lord, 90% of my life is yours, but this 10%, don't you dare touch. <laughs> I really want this relationship, this career, this financial portfolio, my Saturday golf, whatever, anything else but not this. We hold on. Whatever. We're not talking about patterns of neglect. We're talking about patterns of sin. And the word is really clear here. This pattern of sin is a burden. It's a burden to the living God. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. We don't think about that, do we? We often think that when we sin, when we do bad things, it's solely our problem and maybe the people we affect. We don't realise that it is a burden to God. And because of these patterns, these patterns of neglect and the patterns of uh, rebellion against the living God, wanting to do our own things, clasping on to what we think right is ours, we are in danger of missing the good things of God. However, God's grace has a habit of breaking through the hardest of hearts. Now, that doesn't mean we continue along our ways of neglect or sin, but there is hope for even the worst of us that God's grace and mercy can break through. Because the good news, the wonderful news, is this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, 
was fulfilled when Jesus came. When he came on that first Christmas, the wheels started to get in motion so that Isaiah 43 could be fulfilled, which it was at the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Christ to his throne of glory. You see, Jesus came to be the way in the wilderness, the waters in the wastelands, and the forgiveness that blots out our sins. How so? Well, let's just spend a little bit of time with that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. So Jesus came not only to show us the way, but to be the way to our Heavenly Father. And so he fulfilled that part of Isaiah 43. And then, not only that, Jesus came to show us streams of water. To, like Psalm 23, he, he leads us by quiet waters. Jesus leads us to not just quiet waters, but to living waters. Living waters. Jesus provides living water. To the woman in the well in John chapter 4, verse 10, if you remember, he asked her to give her a drink, and she started this conversation, and then Jesus said, if you knew... If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. And John chapter 7 tells us that this living water is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And so Jesus came to be our water in the wasteland, to provide the Holy Spirit in times of refreshing. He fulfilled Isaiah 43 by providing us these streams of living water. And thirdly, Jesus himself paid the price that our sins would no longer be a burden to our Heavenly Father. You know, Jesus died for our sins, yes, but he died first out of obedience to his Heavenly Father so that our sins would not continue to be a burden for him. That's the first and primary reason why Jesus died. Secondly, praise God, secondly, he died so that our sins would be forgiven and we would have fresh and new Life Isn't that wonderful? And in doing so, he fulfilled Isaiah 43. And again, we see this in the words of Jesus himself. At the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we see here Jesus fulfilling Isaiah 43, because by his blood, our sins are forgiven. They are blotted out, and God sees them no more. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we sin and we make mistakes, and it's good that we keep a record of that so we don't do it again. <laughs> but there's no guilt. There's no shame. And our Heavenly Father has holy amnesia. He holds no sin against us because of the blood of Jesus. These are the new things that God wants to do us. And some of us have been following Christ for many years, and we have a taste of these three things, way in the wilderness, waters of refreshing in the wastelands and forgiveness. But God wants to keep doing a new thing in our lives. Don't rest on our laurels. God has more. And so now to the take-homes, now to the implications of this newness of God. Sort of three implications. I'm, I'm sort of imagining folk, and you might be in one of three different places. Maybe you're in the place where 2022 has slipped by faster than any year that you can remember, and you are keen to make this year count. And that's very common for folk, isn't it? And so we have these goals like losing weight, 
being more active. Maybe we'll sign up for a course at Polytech or University. Maybe we'll commit to spend less time in front of screens, more time with people with our nose in a good book. But others are wondering, goodness me, what do I want to do with my life? Am I wasting my life? Where am I going? And to those people, God has a word for you, and this word is this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am making a way in the wilderness. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's inviting each one of us to follow him in a new and a fresh way. Now, for some people, that may be following Jesus for the first time. It may involve inviting Christ to be your Lord and Saviour in your heart. Never done it before. Today's the day that you can follow Jesus in the way through your wildernesses. Others may have resonated with those words about neglect. And maybe you think, well, actually, 2022, I started neglecting worshipping God and following him and having quiet times. And so for you, following Jesus is to put aside those patterns and neglect and re-energize your faith looking to Christ. Or others may be following Christ and it's wonderful. And his word for you today is he still wants to do something new. There's a new direction somewhere along the line. It might be just a fine-tuning, like those sailors, you know how they trim the sails and get that, just that awesome amount of extra speed? Or it might be something quite different. But God wants to do a new thing, for he is the way. So for those that think 2022 slipped away and you're keen not to let 2023 slip away, God has a new way for you in the wilderness. Others may be in a different place. Others might have, might have finished the end of 2022 exhausted. <laughs> You're spent. 2022 saw you physically, emotionally, relationally tired and exhausted. The spring in our step has been replaced by a sag in our gait and the dragging of our feet. We long to be refreshed. We long to be renewed. I know I finished 2021 that way last year. And I'm so grateful to God that his times of refreshing renewed and reinvigorated me. And maybe that's where you are now. Well, God says to you, and this word is to you, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am making streams in your wasteland. Isn't it amazing? God wants to make new streams of refreshing in your wasteland and because God's a generous God, he wants to refresh you so much that you can refresh others. He wants to pour living water into you so that living water overflows and blesses other people. And so my go-to verse in this, when I'm feeling tired and sad, you know, just exhausted, is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Again, Jesus is speaking to you who are tired and exhausted, and he says, Matthew 11, Verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Oh, aren't those words alone balm to a tired soul? Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, says Jesus, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Indeed, as we come to Christ and we give him our burdens, we find water and our wastelands. So, 
Some of you who are looking for direction, Jesus is the way. For those that are weary, Jesus is your refreshment. And finally, there may be some that face the new year battling past guilt and deep shame. Now, you may manage to push that down, suppress that, maybe go day by day, but it keeps bubbling up in all the wrong places. And you wonder how you can face this new year, let alone the next 12 months. And God has words of healing for you. For God says to you, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake and remembers your sin no more. What a promise for those wrestling with guilt and shame. And often with shame, it's not something we've done. It's something that was done to us decades ago, mainly. But that shame still weighs our hearts down. God's word for you at the beginning of 2023 is that Christ is standing at your shoulder and by his blood he will blot out your guilt and shame so your heavenly Father will remember it no more. This is the invitation for those that are struggling in this area. Isn't this amazingly good news? Wonderful news. God wants to do a new and a wonderful thing. Jesus is offering direction to us in our wilderness, for he is the way. Jesus is offering refreshment in our wastelands because he provides streams of living water and he is promising the removal of all guilt and shame because his blood covers and blots out all our transgressions. If you have a humble heart, if you are ready to let your rebellion go, if you are willing to leave those patterns of neglect, then these promises are available to each one of us. I pray that we will not be so focused on the basketball passing that we will miss the delightfully unexpected new things that God has for us in 2023. Let me finish with these words which are now familiar and I hope are ringing in your hearts as well as your heads. God says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am making a way in your wilderness and streams in your wasteland. Let's pray.